0: You are listening to the Desire to Retire podcast. The podcast that reduces that sense of feeling overwhelmed when you think about your retirement. You can go from woe to wow with your retirement plan. I'm your host, Estelle Kelly. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Desire to Retire, ready or not. We know what we are retiring from. Less certain is what we are retiring to. Hello, I'm Estelle Kelly, Retirement Life Coach, and together with Alice Mantel, a Sydney-based lawyer and author, we are going to dispel some of the unknowns and uncertainties professionals have when they begin to think about retirement. So we hope to impart some helpful information to enable our audience to face retirement and retirement planning without fear. This series is uh, titled Facing Retirement Without Fear. Now, you've met Alice before, but I'm just going to remind you that Alice is the author of Every Woman's Guide to Retirement, and that's available at manteladvisory.com.au. Now, today we're going to, um, Alice and I are going to chat about future-proofing your retirement um, as much as we can. (laughs) So, um, Alice, uh, in future-proofing our retirement, um, we're looking today at housing and next week we'll look at um, financial and legal. We'll go into that in more detail. So in focusing on housing today, Alice, oh no, before we do that, what do you mean by future-proofing your retirement? Is it possible?
1: (laughs) Well, we can try, I think is what I would say. Um, I would describe future-proofing as being anticipating the future and developing ways of minimising the effects of shocks and stresses obviously we don't know what the future is going to bring but the idea is to prepare for the worst and hope for the best <laughs> at the age of, of 65 years when we, most people retire we can expect another 20 to 25 years and those those of that time most of it perhaps except for the last five years we're going to have an active and fulfilled life um, Now, I think housing is really an important area. It's not the first thing that people think of when they retire um, or think about retiring, but um, it can be really important. So um, the idea is to to put in place measures to protect yourself against those unforeseen events. So, um, um, yep, Uh, housing is one of those is the unseen pillar of our retirement system. Now, you've heard about pillars, the three pillars. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in our social security system, we've got three pillars. So one is the age pension, two is superannuation, and three is your voluntary savings. Now, this is a hypothetical, I think. Mm. Um, But all of those uh, assumptions are based on the fact that you already own your own home. Now, once upon a time, and I'm talking perhaps, say, 50 years ago or maybe even 20 years ago, that was the case. Most people, when they reached retirement age, and that's, say, 70%, something like that, mm-hmm. um, would have owned their own home. That is absolutely not the case these days. And a lot of people are still out there in the private rental market.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's... Um I must admit, it surprised me, um, Alice. that one time, I looked up the figures and discovered that people in that couples in their sixties that they hadn't, um, they didn't quite own their own home. Some of them yep, were yep. still paying off mortgages. Yep. Um, yeah, and and the figures are they're de- declining, aren't they, for the homeowner? Oh yes, gift. it's because young people can't afford to buy mm. uh, in the first
1: place. So there is a, a roll-on effect, and so when and also. The, um because relative to our income uh house prices have increased particularly this last couple of years which has been a disastrous time it's mm-hmm. you are landed with a debt that literally takes your whole lifetime mm-hmm. um, to work off and and that in one of my view in my view is that the, paying off your mortgage is the most important thing that you should be doing mm-hmm. um, be be when you are approaching retirement age and how you do that... Um, is there are, there are numbers of ways to do it. Um, being eligible for the pension, even if you, however, you might feel about that, is actually the most important thing um, that we have in our, our very good uh, social welfare system in Australia. Um, and one of the things is that if you live in your own home, if you own it outright, you can be eligible for the pension. Now, for a single person, Uh, A maximum pension is something like $480 a week. Now, that's not a huge amount of money, but you can live on it, right? You can survive. You can eat food. You can go out sometimes. Um, You'll be able to meet your basic bills. You'll probably be able to run a car on that. Um, The problem is if you don't own your house and you're still paying off your mortgage or you're paying off huge credit card debts or personal loans, that's when you've got an issue. Mm. If if you're renting, that $480 a week um, is is just, you won't have anything left. Your rent is likely to eat up at least 50%, if not more than that. And the problem with rent is that it's out of your control. You've got a landlord who can charge whatever they want. If you can't afford to pay it, well, too bad, you just have to move on. There are costs to moving in and out of houses. There's... You have no choice about the area that you live in. It's a very precarious position to be in.
0: Yeah. And, look, another thing that I've noticed along the way, Alice, is that sometimes um, people haven't quite paid off their mortgage um, or find themselves in a much tighter financial situation when they are at retirement age because they're trying to help adult children. um, Yes. You know, and and that's very um, you know commendable. But uh, yeah, I I think you're right. We've got to look after our own. I I really think head.
1: I really think that the priority, if you've got to make that choice, I still think the priority is to look after your own housing, mm. because if you've got your own home, you can help your kids as well. You can provide them with accommodation, or you can you provide them with an asset. And if you are uh, close to, to retirement age, and, and say you've got a bit of a mortgage left, my my theory, and this is not me speaking as a financial advisor, but certainly in a practical sense, is that you can access lump sums out of your super. And I would say that is still better to pay out that mortgage, because when when the Centrelink looks at your eligibility. They don't look at the fact that you live in a house. So your house could be half a million or it could be $10 million. It just doesn't matter because it's not considered an asset. It's not an income-producing item, generally. Um, but it, it is, uh, enables you to be eligible for the pension and you don't have to pay off any more. And from my point of view, being free of hikes in interest rates is a very... It's such a relief to be able
0: to say, "I don't owe you anything anymore, Mr. Bank.": yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But uh, also another thing that um, I feel is very important when we get towards, though, that last third of life that you mentioned last time is that the roof over our head uh, provides that sense of security if we have the yes. title to it. Yes. Mm. Oh, I
1: think it's absolutely essential, and that's something that you don't really appreciate, I think, until you get close to retirement. Our home, wherever it might be and how humble it might be, is the centre of our social environment. You know, we invite Mm. our friends, we invite our kids. Uh, It requires time and money to be maintained. But the fact is that most people actually want to stay in their home for as long as they can. Uh, there, but there's always a percentage in, in uh, later years who want to leave. And there are reasons why you want to do that. So let's, there, are, there are reasons to, to, ways to consider what your current situation is. Normally, as I say, people don't, it's not the first thing on people's, you know, new retirees list. You know, where am I going to live? But as you start your early retirement, a lot of things become apparent to you. So if you find that your uh, house is close to shops and transport, great, big tick there. Mm-hmm. If it's accessible, if you don't have any stairs there in your house, great, big tick there. Yep. Um, you know, if it's got, if you happen to have in your local area, hospital and other services, great, big tick, stay there. What You, you need something that offers you all of those things. Disadvantages of staying in your own house is, Perhaps it's too expensive to maintain, you know, you've got repairs, you can't afford to repay. So then you have to think, well, okay, what am I going to do next? Uh, And the other thing is, of course, that our house is part of our community, you know, we know where everything is, it's not like starting somewhere else, where you don't know, you know, where's the doctor, how do I get, you know, if I'm driving, where do I get to? So some people, however, you know, they get to retirement and they think, ooh, freedom, let's go and make a, a tree change or a sea change.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And Tell us about that, Alice. What Have you done that yourself? No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I, I have actually worked in different
1: places when I was a working lawyer uh, and, and interestingly enough, I worked up in Lismore for a year and everybody said, oh, you're so lucky, you know, it's near Byron Bay heavens you know if you looked at the prices now um, <laughs> but um, you know and it, it was a way for me to go and have a look at what it was like and and I was quite clear this wasn't the place for me but thousands of people actually do want to make tree changes or sea changes going to the beaches you know going to live in the Gold Coast or Port Macquarie uh, lots and lots of people want to do that and I can understand why, you know, those regional areas, certainly previously, used to have much cheaper accommodation, the parking and the transport wasn't such a big deal, traffic wasn't such a big deal uh, altogether, and, and a, the weather might be, you know, a bit more friendly than uh, Sydney's <laughs> been lately. Uh, you know, and I, and I can certainly appreciate all those things. Um, from the, the sort of anecdotal evidence I've received, People who decide to do it should do it early in their retirement, in their 60s, when they can still become involved in part of the community, take up volunteer work or perhaps still work. Uh, they need a bit of time to get involved in the community. It does not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I would certainly suggest that if you want to do that, you start to go there, You, you uh, maybe for your holidays, mm-hmm. and quite often that's what people do. They've been there for holidays for some years, and they say, well, this is the place for me. Uh, I certainly think that you should rent before you buy because once you sell up in a big city, very hard to come back. Um, and, and so renting for a while to see how it actually is in real life. Yeah. Um, the, the classic story I, I give um, is that, you know, you can't be walking on the beach, you know, if you in that later stage and you've got you know, chances of skin cancers, you perhaps wouldn't be walking on the beach that often. And and the other thing, the reality with regional areas, yes, they've got cheaper housing, but they don't necessarily have the same medical services Mm. uh, that people expect in the city. A lot of their hospitals aren't so big. So if you've got a serious condition, you might still have to go to one of the major cities for your hospital treatment. Um, And and things like internet, you might not have as much Wi-Fi internet that you've got now. Public transport, there probably isn't very much, so you're relying on being able to drive everywhere. And as you get older, that may not be such an easy thing to do. But if you want to do it, do it as I say. Do it earlier in your in your retirement and, mm-hmm. and do it um, confidently that you uh, will, will actually be able to adapt to a new life, and a lot of people are very happy with that.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah. I think your suggestion of of renting there for a a little while is a very good one. Then you have time to really get in and see what that location's like, what it offers you. Yeah,
1: I think so. Mm. It's a big commitment once you've sold up.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. So thanks for that, Alice. Um, Now, I believe it's a bit of a misnomer that sometimes people sell up the family home because um, you know they're in a big house it's got four bedrooms and they're the one rattling around in it by themselves um so and it, it just makes sense to downsize um so mm. what advice have you got for us about downsizing our house? well i like
1: to call it right right sizing rather <laughs> than downsizing it's okay. and that's a different slightly different concept it's it's not always given that you're going to be doing it, it's probably going to be your last house or unit. Mm. You've got to do so, you've got to choose something that suits you, and that requires a little bit of time of reflection, I think. So if you if you want to, if you happen to be a really keen gardener, it just isn't a good idea to think, oh well, I'll have a two-bedroom unit, nice two-bedroom unit on the tenth floor, because it doesn't, and it doesn't have it has a balcony. But it doesn't really allow you that that enjoyment that you get from having a garden. It may not be really what you want. Um, I'm a, a bit of an inveterate cat owner. Um, and, you know, I would not move somewhere that wouldn't allow me to have pets, you know, because mm. perhaps even a dog. Because... You know, that's how I like to live. And it would make I would feel lonely without having my beast of one sort or another (laughs) around. Um, So you have to think about what it is. It's not and it's all there are are so many issues with this, really. Moving somewhere cheaper um, into a unit, so from a house to a unit, normally the unit is cheaper. Sure, that's true. Um, Mm -hmm. You probably want it in the same area because that's where your friends are. That's where your possibly your family is. Uh, That's where you know where the shops and the hospitals, all that kind of thing is. Um, So it might not actually be very much cheaper. In in the area that I live in, it's not particularly cheaper Mm. trying to buy a unit. It's it's also quite a lot of decluttering is required to do that, and we're not very good. Some of us who live in houses (laughs) find that we have a lot of stuff that we have to get rid of. This is actually quite difficult. The number of people that I know who've done it, and who still keep storage containers full of stuff, um, and paying extra for that stuff that they never see, it's quite a difficult adjustment at times. So trying to find something that is kind of the right choice for you is really important. Some people actually do the complete opposite. They they say, well, I want to buy a bigger house and I will rent some of it off. You know, I will do Airbnb or I will rent half the house to someone else. And that will give me a bit of an income. So there, there are actually choices about that. And the other thing, of course, is um, the problem with, with strata complexes um, is that, that people who have never had to deal with other people in terms of maintenance suddenly find that they're being, have to, having to pay strata levies. So we can go on about, you know, the maintenance costs of running a house and that can be considerable, mm. but strata levies are also a considerable expense. Um, as far as I can see in, in Sydney, the average you know, quarterly levy is something like $900 to $1,000 a quarter. Mm-hmm. So it's not cheap. And then you have, depending on the building that you choose, you can, have, you can certainly be paying a lot more than that. And you can also be paying for special levies, which can be considerable amounts if you've got a lift in your building you might have to replace the lift which is a huge cost mm. so you've got these unexpected and uncontrollable expenses that you might be facing that are not easy to deal with if you are particularly on a fixed pension that is actually very difficult to pay mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Uh, Any other thing As um, also I, I, um, I've got some friends of mine who moved into a small complex which uh, they actually have a townhouse in but they're suddenly discovering the Strata Committee. And if you ever had anything to do with the Strata Committee, um, it's a whole new world out there. Um, having been on a Strata Committee, but also, you know, it's, it, it can be very, very fraught. So uh, some people actually make another choice about this, and that's they say, well, you know, even living in a strata block can be a rather lonely experience. Uh, you don't automatically get to know your neighbours, and you might, in fact, not want to know them. <laughs> yes. So, a lot an alternative that people think about <laughs> is a retirement village. Now, oh, this yeah. is actually an interesting thing. Um, in Australia, around about one hundred and eighty four thousand people live in just over two thousand retirement villages, and that's all around Australia. Mm. And and this this figure is growing. It's not only because Um, just the number of older people in our society are increasing but because there's such a demand for retirement villages traditionally I guess they've always been you know in those beachy sort of areas those those sea change tree change sort of areas you know where people are looking for you know fun in the sun kind of thing and there's a lot of things that are very appealing about retirement villages they actually offer a lifestyle option, which is far more than what you get in an apartment block. And I think that's an appealing thing. So they, and the active lifestyle is one of those things. So they will offer golf classes, uh, you know, yoga classes, gyms, the swimming pools, that kind of thing. And a lot of people really like that idea. Uh, They also will offer communal, often offer communal dining uh, rooms, but The the appeal for most people is in early retirement, is that they have their own independent living spaces and they can have a reasonable space. Buying, if you're gonna buy a a strata unit in one of those retirement villages, they're probably 45 to 50% of a similar unit in the same area. And that's that's, um, a great appeal. Let me just say that retirement villages are a bit fraught in one sense because There are actually many different ways of getting into a retirement village. It's not necessarily buying into it. You can lease a unit. You can have a a unit on license. It depends on the particular unit. It depends often on the uh, the owner of the retirement village. That that very many cases, uh, well, again, traditionally always was a charity and a religious aligned, um, Catholic care, Anglicare, all those people, Wesley villages. Uh, but but increasingly there are many more commercial operators in this field,
0: yeah.
1: and uh, you know so so you need you do need a bit of legal advice before you go into a retirement village. But it is an option that suits a lot of people. Uh, and but the other thing that I that I think is really important to think about is when you leave the retirement village, yes. what, what are the options in terms of supported accommodation? Now, supported accommodation that, you know, you would traditionally call an aged care facility is, is something that is very important when, you be, when you're when anticipating going into a retirement village. So you really want a retirement village that is has some sort of link to an aged care facility and gives you some priority in terms of going into it. Mm. Uh, now aged care is a whole different ball game. I'm not going to be able to talk
0: about that today because yeah. it's a big area but at uh, the my little venture into retirement villages Alice revealed that certainly it was very affordable to buy into it and it was a lovely lifestyle um, mm-hmm. that was offered um, but it's when you leave um, I believe they vary quite a lot in how the, the sale of your particular unit within that village is managed. Um, yes. Yeah, it's yeah, They're called terrible.
1: exit fees, yeah. And they, they, there has been a lot of complaints about this. So they have actually tried to fix this to an extent. Uh, so there, there have been issues about who can sell, depending on how, how it's the terms of your particular agreement.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: why I'm saying you absolutely need someone who specializes in this area. So, you know, who can sell it? So if it's only the, the uh, owner of the uh, retirement village, you can sell it. Uh, they get the commission. They get, they get to set the price. You may not have any control over it. If you have very long waiting periods before uh, your unit gets sold, uh, you might be a long time waiting for what you can get. There's also costs, you know, perhaps you'll be required to, you know, paint the unit, do some maintenance before you can sell it is a very complicated area let me just say that as I say there has been government concern they have done some things to to fix this a bit Um, but you know you really need some help with this and in a way I suppose you're not going to be concerned about it to to the same extent because you're moving into an aged care facility you know there's not much you can do but but certainly family members will take a big interest in it because uh, there's a lot there's a lot of money involved in that in that exit stage mm. um, you know and people tend not to think about it
0: yeah another um, misconception I, I believe uh, when we get to this stage of life is we think that um, well once again we might be um, thinking oh I don't need such uh, so many bedrooms all that sort of thing so we we downsize thinking that our cost of living is going to be a little bit less if we live in a unit or a townhouse or an apartment. But um, what's your experience or advice around that?
1: Well, it's, as I said, you know, strata levies are really a big, a big uh, imposition mm-hmm. and, and having special levies, uh, they can be significant. I had, um, I lived in a strata block for about five years and, uh, and I was on the strata committee, uh, if uh, three of those years, mm. uh, there wasn't any, you know, we had strata levies, this was oh, would have been 10 years ago now, we had strata levies of $10,000, you know, we had to do painting, compulsory painting. Mm. People are quite shocked by that. The strata committee makes a decision because it's got an obligation to look after the the building itself, uh, which, which may not involve your personal unit, but on the other hand, it might. So you can have this situation where one of my friends um, had water leaking into her roof of her unit and the other's saying well we don't want to fix it you know we're saying but but it's my unit I've got water coming in what am I going to do I've got mold in the in the cupboards you know that kind of thing it's it's a totally different experience living in a strata block even if it's not a very big block it can still have those sorts of issues and and of course the issue with with living as a single person as opposed to living as part of a two to a couple is that you're Mm. wearing all those costs yourself and that that can be considerable. So you really relied on being eligible for the age pension is, is a really good thing. As I say, you may not think it's that much money, but it makes a big difference as you are less able to, you know, you can't just look at some kind of work to supplement your income. Your super may last the distance. Hopefully it does last the distance. And really that's why our, our super uh, having money, most having money in a super fund is really essential part of working life these days. Uh, but, you know, the um, and a retirement village, the other thing is with your lifestyle things, unfortunately, is that you pay for those extra services. So you you're paying for the maintenance of the pool and the, you know, yeah, the excursions yeah. and all of that kind of thing. That it's inevitable. So yes. you know you're saving, to some extent. Although let me just say one of the big pluses if you are going to downsize, is that the government's still offering this. They have. They've been threatening to uh, to remove this uh, incentive. So if you have owned your own home for the last ten years and you decide to downsize, and your next property is say three quarters of the price of the original house you can put 300 up to 300000 into your super from that for as, as a result of that additional funds that you've got so that that super contribution fund is only available to people over 65 and who mm-hmm. not necessarily downsize in the physical sense but if they buy a cheaper property You've got an additional three hundred thousand you can put into your super and that will keep you going for an awful long time
0: yes yes it would if you've got some savings it gives you a few more choices along the way doesn't it yep. yeah 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 and it brings us back to where we began that uh, the difference between owning your own home in retirement and not owning your own home you've got access to that extra set of funds Yeah,
1: Yeah. it gives you equity. So, I mean, if you were in the, in that rental situation, I would say you'd be looking for community housing. Uh, There are quite a few community housing organizations out there. I've noticed that uh, they are promoting this idea of group homes. So getting older people to share new build houses where people have their own independent little units but they have some communal areas. And I think that could work very well for people. I certainly know that in the United States, they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's it's an excellent idea. So people can get together in the communal areas to watch TV or chat or cook Mm -hmm. or do that kind of thing, but they still have their own space uh, in reasonable sized rooms. I think that it reduces that overall cost and it gives people so sort of sense of social community mm. uh which you know if you you, you may not be able to rely on family to provide that for you as you get on
0: yeah and i believe um that they're making um, some changes or maybe just here in the state of victoria the government is considering changes to the concept of the granny flat um oh. to, so that Dear old mum or dad, when you get to that stage, they live in the back garden so that the the adult child or children are are not far away and can keep an eye on how things are going. Well yeah, I've looked at this. I mean I've I've also I've also had clients with it. So I
1: yes and no is what I would say to that. (laughs) It's not as as wonderful as I would think. The problem the problem is from Centrelink's point of view, Centering has quite well-established policy guidelines on granny flats. I, I personally have concerns about it. I'm not sure that I personally would want to jump into my child's uh, granny flat, and there's lots of reasons for that. So say <laughs> I say say I give my child or children, so one should say, if you've got a number of ch- children, you give one child, say 300,000 to build a granny flat and you move in, that's fine. Centrelink sees that as you giving away Uh, some of your assets so there might be an issue in terms of your pension you then have this situation where you are dependent on that child to provide you with assistance which is fine when you're relatively healthy that's fine but once you start to become ill you know and frailer perhaps 10 years down the line Mm. uh, you may not be getting that help and you could actually be uh, the a person who is abused and let me just say that's what i'm saying from my clients perspective you know, when i've seen it in clients uh homes where they have done this um, it wasn't always a very good outcome for the older people okay. you know because, because they are relatively helpless they relatively don't own anything so when they want to go to into aged care they have no deposits Uh, in terms so so now you know providing a bond when you want to go into age key is the usual uh, means of getting in there they no longer have a bond so then they're they're uh, restricted to the sorts of places they can they are eligible for Um, as I say I'm I'm not that keen about it personally Mm -hmm. Um, but I can
0: you know I can see why you might do it kind Mm. of but and, you know, and the best of intentions in families don't always work is. out, do they? <laughs> no, no, no.
1: And it's, it's a bit unfair, you know, to expect your, your children, your adult children, to be who are working and bringing up their own family, to be spending a lot of time providing care, you know, in this endless medical, co- you know, trips or shopping and all that kind of mm. thing. They may not know at the beginning what they
0: might be ending up doing. And That's true. Stuff. Well Alice, it's it's just been so much information that you've shared with us today. Um and that's just on housing. So Ooh, that's yep. it's so valuable, such valuable information. Thank you. Yeah. It's, and there's just so much to talk about, isn't there? There is. <laughs> yes. The more we learn, um, let's say, it should reduce that level of fear when we're just starting to think about retirement and it's all unknown, it's all ahead of us. So, um, yeah, it's a real contribution. Thank you so much. And next week we'll chat again about future-proofing your retirement, but we'll look more closely at the finances and also at the legal Um, aspects i know that it might seem as if we're going over familiar territory but there is such a depth to it that um, it warrants another airing so thanks Thanks. alice Thanks. see you next week bye thanks so much alice bye for now so today we have just scratched the surface in learning more about transforming to retirement so Take a deeper dive to gain some clarity and confidence for planning your own next stage of life at my website, retirementlife.coach. And at no cost, subscribe to my special three-part podcast series, Desire to Retire. And after subscribing, you'll find uh, a what's on your mind, a quiz about retirement, and a Wheel of Life that you can try out. Give them a go and let me know Um, how you're traveling and um, we can have a chat about it um, about planning your retirement i'm estelle kelly retirement life coach thank you for you have been listening to the desire to retire podcast want to check out how well you are progressing in planning for your retirement to gain some clarity on planning a meaningful retirement try the simple no-cost tools or access this special three-part podcast series at retirementlife.coach. I am your host, Estelle Kelly. Thank you for listening.